You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Revitalize Our Cities Now, the podcast series for entrepreneurs, real estate investors, developers, and anyone interested in urban revitalization. Our host is David Michael, a real estate lawyer with the Lipson Nielsen Law Firm. One of his areas of expertise is urban revitalization. David's guests will include some of the difference makers involved in all aspects of urban revitalization throughout Michigan. You'll listen as experts discuss acquiring land, redevelopment incentives, real estate and nonprofit law, immigration and economic redevelopment, private equity, venture capital, and more. Thanks for joining us. And here's your host, David Michael. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm really excited today. We have two of my favorite people in urban revitalization today with us as our guests in the studio. We have Andy Meisner, the Oakland County Treasurer, and his property specialist, also with his uh, treasurer's office, Jill Robinson. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And you brought some other folks with you. Tell us who you brought. We, we did. We uh, we brought the whole crew. Uh, today, we have Brian Hartwell, who is our deputy for communications and outreach. Uh, Brian also is the mayor of Madison Heights and very involved in uh, revitalization of one of our great communities uh, as his evening job. Well, for- fortunately, we're not in Madison Heights so, or Brian would outrank you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and that'd be okay. <laughs> uh, but we also have got Morgan, who is a student uh, and intern in our office who is working on some really exciting things. Uh, including some work with our investment policy and uh, with our upcoming land sale. Uh, and uh, you're at Wayne State, right? Wayne State. And then Mariah, who, who is at uh, West Bloomfield High School. Uh, and what year are you, Mariah? Um, I graduate 2021. Got it. Uh, and so she is uh, interning with our office uh, as well uh, this summer. And so uh, – we are really passionate about the subject matter that you're profiling here. And so we wanted to be all in for the conversation. Well, I'm glad you're here. The two of you, uh, you and um, Jill, Andy, um, have played a really big role in Oakland County revitalization uh, in recent years. And I'd like to talk a bit about that. Uh, Jill, you were a um, urban planner for the city of Birmingham, isn't that right? Or a city planner? I was. I was a city planner. I um, started out there um, probably 10 years ago now, um, kind of when things were just on the cusp of starting to revitalize around um, the county. Um, we did lots of great things there. We had something called a triangle district rezoning. We did lots of interesting um, practices for new buildings and overlay zones. So it was interesting to to learn there. It was my first foray into planning after I went to graduate school at Wayne State University too. What was one of the uh, most important things or some of the most important things that you learned as a city planner from your time in Birmingham? Well, it's a great place to learn. Um, lots of resources there. Some of the things I learned that I thought were most interesting is work with what you have in a city. Don't always look at things as detriments. Look at everything as an asset, whether that is um, in Birmingham uh, alleyways, for instance. Don't look at them as just a means to pass through them. Look at them as a place to have people walk through and use public art in them. 
um, look at the highest and best use of things. Sometimes um, you're not going to get the most money for a property, but you might get a use that is going to really involve the public, like public art. It might make such a big difference in your city. And just um, developing cities for pedestrians. Think about when you go to a city, what do you like to see? What do you, where do you like to hang out? What draws you? Um, interesting places and different people, I think. Um, and I guess city planners have a number of tools uh, to work with. Some of them are, are things like zoning codes, or building codes, zoning ordinances. Um, and there are also incentives that you can use. Yeah, all sorts of incentives. Depending on where, what city you're in, there's always going to be different kinds of incentives. Um, you know, Birmingham, uh, they're lucky in a sense that they don't actually need to use a lot of incentives. Um, when you go to a place that is looking for development, sometimes like in Detroit, they had some incentives to try to get people to live there. So there was some uh, businesses that offered incentives for uh, $10,000, you come and live in the city kind of thing. Um, in Pontiac, we use things, tax abatements, tax credits. Um, one thing that we did in Birmingham when I was there was um, an overlay zone. Um, it was called the Triangle District. So you had the regular zoning. You could build this um, type of building. But if you built to the overlay zone, you could build a taller building with a more floor area ratio. So it's a bigger building on the same space. Parking was for in a parking structure kind of thing. So you got different incentives if you build a different building like the city would like you to build. May I ask you to explain a little bit more about the concept of an overlay area? Yeah, That's yeah. kind of an important Yeah, it's, so there is the traditional zoning that is on the map that you see that might be residential housing here, uh, commercial zoning here in different spaces. When you do an overlay zone, you can change the zoning and it's literally overlaid over the regular zoning. So you can still use the regular zoning, but if you do overlay development, you have different requirements. So overlay zoning might allow you to build, instead of a one-story building, you can build a three-story building. Um, instead of uh, having parking on site, you can use the parking structure type of thing. So you build in different rules for that overlay. And is that something that the uh, a city council or an individual developer can initiate? How do you, how do you how do get, you get a, an overlay area into your zoning? Lots of planning. Um, you typically, in many communities, you involve the community. What do you want to see here? So it starts with lots of community meetings. Then it goes to the planning board. The planning board uh, passes it along to the city council. The city council ultimately approves that, like any kind of zoning. Andy, your role as Oakland County Treasurer and the uh, the Oakland County Executive's Office, um, you guys have been doing some really wonderful things in the area of revitalization. What would you like to talk about out of, out of the many projects you've been working on? <laughs> uh, I think our, our work in Pontiac, our, our county seat, uh, is, is probably where I would start. Uh, that was where Joe and I met actually was, uh, I was chairman of the board of the Michigan Land Bank and, uh, Joe was working as part of the staff at the Michigan Land Bank and we helped administer a, a $15 million grant in the city of Pontiac back in 2011, 2012, uh, that brought about the first redevelopment in downtown Pontiac in over 40 years and has thankfully provided a really nice anchor uh, for some other development that's happening there, uh, as well as a, a lot of stuff at the neighborhood level, uh, where we have, uh, helped to facilitate 
uh, revitalization of a lot of neighborhoods, uh, prevent blight, tackle some blight that did happen during the worst days of the housing crisis. Uh, but Jill's helped us start a nonprofit called Growing Pontiac and really focused on uh, enhancing the local food system through community agriculture, um, sustainable practices, beekeeping, maybe growing a little hops, hops goats. goats. Um, and uh, This is called Growing Pontiac? It is. Is this yeah. urban agriculture? Mm-hmm. It's, it's urban agriculture, and it's also taking some of the vacant tax foreclosed lots that we've ended up with in the treasurer's office and trying to achieve uh, that highest and best use that you know, Jill was talking about, uh, at least for the time being, uh, you know, things that the community wants, ways that they'd like to see uh, a lot uh, or a property repurposed. And I think that we've, over the last 10 years, I think we've helped to bring some attention uh, to uh, the city of Pontiac, our county seat. Uh, and I, I think we've also helped to bring about some investment uh, to the community, the Emergency manager at the time of Pontiac wanted to return that grant uh, back to the federal government, which would have been a, a travesty. That sounds uh, counterintuitive. If you're under a financial, well, uh, or, yeah, an emergency well, financial manager, don't why get would me you started. Money? Don't get me started on emergency managers because that's a that's a whole other probably topic for a different podcast. But um, but the short version is there was a little bit too much bean counting and and not quite enough uh, vision and planning and and leadership and. So as a result of that grant, we, you know, we were able to help to, uh, Kyle Westberg, uh, build the Lafayette Lofts, which is 46 beautiful loft apartments in downtown Pontiac, fully, uh, leased out since, uh, the get go. Uh, and, and th- those are, those are commercial lofts or are those residential? Residential. Yeah. It's 46, uh, families living in downtown Pontiac in those beautiful, uh, places. And, uh, we also helped build, uh, about 20 uh, homes in the Unity Park neighborhood. Uh, but, you know, Oakland County is thought of as a prosperous place. And I think it's important for us to help uh, profile and lift up uh, some of the places that haven't achieved that level of prosperity. Uh, and our county seat is one of them. And uh, it's had a disproportionate share of tax foreclosures uh, during some of the tough years. And so as a result, we've really tried to, you know, be focused there uh, and help promote uh, the growth of the communities uh, and uh, just, you know, just try to be basically an ally and a partner uh, to uh, to that great community. I'm, I'm interested in learning more about growing Pontiac. Can, can you tell us how the program works? Sure. So when I um, came to the treasurer's office, like Andy said, we met when I was at the Michigan Land Bank. Prior to that, I also... Before the city of Birmingham worked at the Greening of Detroit, which is a, an agriculture organization in Detroit that planted trees. Um, and Andy said, we have, at that time, I think we had about 1,200 vacant lots in Pontiac. And he said, what are we going to do with these? What, what, what can we do with these? It's going to help the neighborhoods grow less blights. And we thought about it and thought, I mean, urban agriculture is something, it's community-based, it enhances the neighborhoods, it gets people out on the streets looking out for each other, helping each other, it's intergenerational, kids can do it, um, seniors can do it, they can do it together. Um, so we started working with some churches that uh, had a couple of gardens 
they were having some trouble with them. So we thought we'd start doing a couple of classes, how to deal with critters. Um, they were eating all their vegetables. So we had a couple of classes there. And we just kind of started thinking about how can we create this organization that becomes an umbrella organization for all of these gardeners that we see in the neighborhoods that want to interact with each other but don't know how to find each other. So we just started having meetings and started um, going to different classes where there were people already teaching, inviting them to teach under the Growing Pontiac umbrella. Um, we actually applied for our nonprofit status a month ago. Um, we already received it. Um, now we have a board. Um, we actually, the neighborhood that Andy was talking about that was the neighborhood revitalization, um, it's called Unity Park. We helped with 20 new houses, um, got rid of a bunch of blight. And in the process of all these tax foreclosures, we um, owned a piece of property that's about two acres that was right on the edge of that neighborhood that was an old rail line. So thought about how can we hold on to that, make it bigger part of the community. Maybe someday it can be a connector for the Clinton River Trail. Um, thankfully, we held on to that. And now we have created the Growing Pontiac Paddock Farm. So we have a bunch of raised beds there. We're planning on getting bees there. Um, we have a water collection system. We have lots of neighbors involved. Um, so it's just very grassroots. Um, lots of People are really excited about it. It's, you know, it's this cool, quiet organization that people know about. Um, I think in the next year or so, it's going to get bigger as we apply for grants and start doing more classes uh, and more things, maybe bringing uh, outside of the community members in for things. But right now, it's, you know, it's a cool, a cool group of people learning together. Now, does Growing Pontiac have its own website, or, or can we find out more about it through the Oakland County Treasurer's website? How does that work? We have a Facebook and Instagram right now. Um, we should link that through our website as well. Um, but both those places, we have all of our classes listed and all communications on those two sites. Where did the bees come from? There's an organization in Detroit also that yeah. keeps bees. Yeah. Uh, a couple of our, our partners have bees, too. Um, and it was funny because we were out at that paddock farm property and we don't want to scare anyone away from urban gardening. And the thought that I have heard people say is bees are scary. I don't want to get stung kind of thing. So we said, let's not do bees right away. And we were out at that garden and we had two different neighbors come out and say, when are you getting the bees? So I thought, okay, they're ready for it. So let's just, let's start looking into it and figure out how we can do that. So it's Educating people, pollinating, you know, we need bees for our food, so we're growing lots of food there. So bees are obviously just a, a great addition to it. Now, I, I would just say I've been really concerned about uh, the bee population uh, going back to my days as a state representative. Uh, I had a gentleman named William Sir who came to visit me and was a local beekeeper out of uh, Berkeley. And he educated me some years ago about the threats to the bee population, including uh, colony collapse disorder, and helped me understand just exactly, you know, most people hear bees, it's like, oh, I don't want to get stung and um, those nuisance pests or whatever. <laughs> um, but as Jill, you know, referenced, they play a very important role in, in, in the whole food system. And without their pollinating, we don't eat any fruits or vegetables. Um, and so I, I was actually, you know, pretty passionate about that piece and was really excited to have it included in, in what they were doing. And 
she she put on this extraordinary event at uh, Wisner School and uh, auditorium or uh, the stadium there on Cesar Chavez in Pontiac, and the event uh, was I think the very cute named uh, "Lots of Possibilities." Huh. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Is that good, David? I love it. Yeah, and it was uh, it was a lot fair uh, where Joe brought together the growing Pontiac crew and, and a lot of the different partners to profile different uses of lots uh, should you choose to acquire one from our office, you know, because we still do have some of those available. And the be- and there were beekeepers there who uh, kind of profiled that uh, practice and uh, skill and um, really opened some eyes and it's uh, it's a critical piece. Does, does uh, beekeeping implicate any uh, zoning issues? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Think We're not asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, let me ask this question then. Um, so, so the bees produce honey and wax, uh, wax and uh, I, I imagine your other gardens are producing vegetables and fruits. Mm-hmm. What? How are these products? How is this produce used? Is it sold? Do people use well, it? Where do the proceeds go? Well, it's, it's a great question. You know, we've got a fantastic organization in Pontiac called Mica Six. Uh, it's uh, a group of uh, uh, kids that actually came here from Arkansas of all places and landed in, in Pontiac uh, with a uh, mission really, uh, uh, really a, I think a religiously inspired mission uh, to be allies and community partners and to be involved. They bought a number of tax foreclosed properties from us that they fixed up and moved into uh, and one of the things that they did was to start uh, a market called Sprout, uh, which is located right on uh, Huron or M59. And uh, they source uh, Sprout with locally grown uh, fruits and vegetables from a combination of different places. Um, Some of them are uh, orchards that they've uh, planted on formerly tax foreclosed properties. And uh, so it's locally sourced and they're trying to get production up to be able to supply some of the local restaurants as well. But they own that land. What about land owned um, by uh, the, the city or, or the county that um, Growing Pontiac is operating on? Well, the, the goal of those is community-based. Um, if, if people in the community want to come and get some food, they're welcome to it. And then we also donate it to Sprout so they can sell it um, and, and help their mission. Um, I see. Yeah, there's a number of folks around that do that type of donation. There's also Oakland Community Farms, which isn't in Pontiac, but it's a large garden north um, of Pontiac, and they grow. It's probably five acres, and they grow a lot of food and donate it all to different entities in Pontiac, including Micah Six. Um, there's a, a group called Reroute Pontiac, which is in the process. Uh, they they purchased a number of lots from us over several years. And what they did, it's uh, it's behind the old Pontiac Central High School, which is on West Huron as well, or M59. And they purchased these lots, cleaned them up. They were in um, a lot of disrepair. There was a lot of overgrowth, um, a lot of just bad behavior going on. Um, and they cleaned it up. They cut a bunch of scrub trees down. They planted orchards. They planted native species. They have a couple of lots that have mushroom logs. So they've inoculated logs and are growing mushrooms. They have chickens. They have three houses that they're renovating to get interns into. So again, one of these cool, quiet groups in the city of Pontiac that nobody knows about. Um, 
but they're growing food as well. And they do pop-up markets. Uh, the other day at Sprout, they had a lemonade stand where they used some of their their um, strawberries that they grew and sold to raise money for their organization and for Sprout. So there's just a lot of um, a lot of coordination and cooperation with these organizations. Andy, do you, were you going to say something about that? Um, I was just going to say that that we've we've worked on developing a number of these initiatives in Pontiac and have sought to bring them to other communities Things uh, across that help. the county as well. Uh, particularly, you know, communities that. Uh, took uh, more than their fair share of uh, the hit from the foreclosure crisis and, and the recession. And so, uh, you know, we work to try to partner in a lot of other communities as far north as Holly, uh, down to Hazel Park. And, we, you know, we talked about a little bit about Madison Heights. Uh, but Royal Oak Township is another place, for instance, where, uh, you know, we've got a fair number of properties and uh we know down now, maybe, but kind of similar need. Yeah, and I think we work a lot with them, um, a lot of these uh, communities uh, with housing, right? That's We had a lot of lots in Royal Oak Township, and the township decided that they wanted to take control of most of them so they could start looking at ways to work with developers and get affordable housing into their communities. So that's, I think, a lot how we partner with Royal Oak Township at the moment. And Andy, you're talking about, um, I've talked to you before about this. You're interested in, uh, spurring entrepreneurship, right? With these formerly tax foreclosed lots. You do something called, um, treasurer's boot camp, uh, for entrepreneurs, something like that. That's right. Yeah. We, we have the, uh, the, uh, entrepreneurial boot camp for finances, we call it. And, uh, I really do believe that for the county to be strong and the region to be strong, we need to have a, a really good entrepreneurial ecosystem, uh, you know, an environment that is conducive and supportive uh, for people that want to either uh, start a new business and get out on their own uh, or even perhaps to, to do that in addition to a job that they keep during the day. Uh, we have a need to get a lot more revenue into people's pockets. And I think that entrepreneurship can be a great tool for that, uh, particularly for women and people of color uh, that tend to be uh, displaced a bit from the economy. Uh, and so we focused a lot on that. And what we noticed with the boot camp was we had helped bring some banks to Pontiac to offer micro loan programs. And what I noticed was that they were not being utilized at, at a rate that I thought was uh, adequate. And so we started doing a little research and figuring out, you know, we got these amazing entrepreneurs with these uh, extraordinary concepts for a business. And they're having a chance to access micro loans, which are smaller loans from five to $50,000 generally. And they're just, they're not getting through, you know, they're not accessing these funds so that they can grow. And so we diagnosed a little bit of a, a issue. And what we found was that there were some people that had really great entrepreneurial concepts, even businesses that were up and running, uh, but that basically just needed a little bit of coaching in the area of financial management and making sure that their business plan is fundamentally sound, but that they can couple a great programmatic side of a business with sound financial practices and building out their pro forma. And so we offer one-on-one -on -one counseling 
to any entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur in Oakland County. And we have a fantastic uh, counselor uh, who was formerly with JVS, who's uh, part of our team, uh, Rita Nafso, uh, who will meet with entrepreneurs uh, one-on-one and uh, will meet them where they are uh, in terms of working with them in the spirit of partnership uh, to get the finances in order so that they can take a shot and have an at-bat uh, at entrepreneurial success, which is never guaranteed. Uh, but by uh, strengthening the financial skills of our entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, we think that we can increase their chances for success. And that's what the boot camp is really all about. Well, that's fantastic. How do you connect? How do these um, entrepreneurs find you or how do you find them? Through our office. And we have uh, brochures uh, that we distribute. Uh, but they can contact us through the office, uh, the county treasurer's office, uh, 248-858-0611, uh, online at oakgov.com slash treasurer. And uh, we'd love to get them plugged in. And if they are uh, ready and raring to go and they're, they've already got the basics uh, in order, We'd send them over to the one-stop shop at Oakland County, uh, our friends in the Economic Development Department there who run a, a fantastic program. Uh, if they are uh, further along and interested in financing, we might refer them to the Oakland County Business Finance Corporation, uh, which offers SBA loans uh, that uh, through the Small Business Administration. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurial uh, density has been in the city of Detroit. Uh, which is awesome and something I'm totally excited about. Uh, but I just, I want to build out that fabric, uh, into the suburbs, uh, so that it can be all part of the same cohesive, uh, kind of background. And I think that that's, uh, you know, we, we always talk about diversifying our economy and how reliant we are on the cars and, and manufacturing and that whole world. But we never do it as much as we need to. And so what I'd like to see us do is to diversify our strategy to focus more on small business. And I think that that can generate significant returns. We have some extraordinary entrepreneurs in Oakland County and um, some people that started small and grew into empires. Uh, You know, I – we bumped into Florine Mark recently uh, of Weight Watchers sure. uh, success. And I mean, you know, that started long ago as a, a small, as a concept and an idea and was executed and grew into something enormous. Uh, you know, uh, Google, Google was a couple of, I think at least one university of Michigan guy. I, mean, I think Larry Page was Michigan, but um, I want to, I want to tap that, David, you know, I, I really want to tap that and I want to get us thinking a little bit more openly to the entrepreneurial path because I, I think our culture in, in our region and in our state is to think about which of the big three we're going to go to work for, you know, when we talk generally. Right. And in other places and other countries, you know, the first question that people are asking is about, you know, what, what can I do to create my own economic uh, sustainability? And, and maybe, uh, you know, that's uh, small business is a part of it. You know, that sounds like a, a natural segue into something that Brian had told me about um, teaching young people about finances so that they develop into uh, entrepreneurs and develop that entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial spirit as adults. I think Brian um, 
told me Andy's Financial Literacy Art Contest. Yes, yes, yes. It, it is a bit of a theme for us. Uh, oh, okay. You're going no to doubt. have to explain that. The Financial Literacy Art Contest? Yes, yes. So, you know, the idea was that when I came in as, as treasurer, I wanted the office to stand for something. I wanted it to be able to perform its functions, but to also really focus on moving the needle uh, around – uh, an issue that affects everybody in the county, whether they're rich or poor, frankly. And financial wellness was really the concept that I settled on uh, as being the aspirational goal that everybody in Oakland County should achieve financial wellness, where they're not terrorized by their finances. Uh, they're not worried about uh, finding money for their next meal uh, you know, frankly, you know, when, when I was a kid, we went through some tough times and my dad was sick and, uh, my mom was working as a bank teller at, uh, NBD, uh, going back to those NBD days, making like $9,000 a year. And so if you're in that position, you're not financially well, you know, you're, you're stressed and you're traumatized by this situation and this need to provide for you, uh, and your family. And so as I looked at that as a goal that I wanted to set in becoming the county treasurer and say, I'm going to lean in in this area and use the resources of the office to promote awareness and to elevate the conversation in Oakland County about financial wellness and, and financial literacy. And so I wanted to try to do it in some creative ways. And as a legislator, I was co-chair of the Legislative Arts Caucus in Lansing. And I've always been a big believer in the power of the arts, uh, not only as uh, something that kind of fills our, our hearts and our souls, but uh, also uh, that is a real driver of economic development because I think it, it moves people and it creates a sense of place and it is something that's really meaningful. So I had this idea basically of having high school students in Oakland County use the arts as a uh, kind of a, a medium to teach lessons about financial literacy. So the structure of it is it's the Treasurer Meisner Multimedia Financial Literacy Art Contest. It's a very long name. Um, but what all those pieces mean is that we provide – uh, students with curriculum from the Michigan public schools, uh, particularly the learning benchmarks associated with financial literacy or the things that they have to learn in theory uh, in eighth and 12th grade to graduate in Michigan from a public high school. And we have the teachers circulate those materials uh, in the form of a little, you know, kind of mini curriculum. And then all of the students from any of the high schools in Oakland County that want to participate can submit a piece of art. And I chose multimedia because I really wanted to give the students the broadest possible range uh, to choose, you know, what they thought was the, the right vehicle to deliver their message. And so it could be a, it could be a drawing, a painting, uh, it could be crayons or oil pastels. Uh, it could be an oil painting. It could be a sculpture. Uh, it could be a video. Uh, in one case a few years ago, it was a claymation video made up of 670 little movements 
on the part of this little Mr. Bill looking guy. I don't, David, you, I don't know if you remember Mr. Bill or not, but one of my favorite characters <laughs> yeah. of all time. Right. I love Mr. Bill. Oh no, Mr. Bill. <laughs> Um, I just went there. Yeah, I it, did. it was a little deviation. But uh, anyway, it's, everybody it, wants to do the Mr. Bill know, voice know, whenever right? you bring yeah. it up. I'm refraining myself. You're, but you're showing more restraint than I did. Good for you. Uh, but uh, so I went to the schools and to some of the art teachers uh, and to the Oakland schools, the intermediate school district, and said, "Hey, I got this concept for this art contest." You know, if you think that this is kind of the same as as usual or nothing different from like other art contests, then I'm not going to do it because I don't want to bother you and waste your time. And the teachers have got a lot of content that they've got to get through already. Um, but they they liked it, you know, and they they thought that it was something that was a little bit different. And so that was eight years ago. And so we started it. Uh, we enlisted the general fi- uh, generous financial support of some banks and credit unions to sponsor it. And we've given away $80,000 in scholarships over the last eight years to Oakland County students who have produced some of the most extraordinary artwork imaginable. And not only do we have a ceremony where all of the students get to come and talk about their artwork and, uh, you know, we have awards, uh, cash awards, ninth, uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Each of those grades, uh, generally, there's a $1,000, $750, and $500 award for uh, each of the four grades. And then the students get to come up and talk about their artwork and what inspired them and what was the lesson that they were trying to teach. And then uh, the thing that's really cool about it is that uh, it goes up on the website. So you can go to oakgov.com slash treasurer uh, and you can find our online art gallery well, where the artwork from every one of the years is up there and you can see the brilliance of our, uh, our county high school students. Uh, and, uh, it's amazing. And then the other thing that's really cool is that we put the artwork up in the hallway at the county treasurer's office. So of the thousands of people who come to my office each year who are in a state of financial emergency because they are having trouble paying for the taxes on the roof above their head. Uh, as they walk through the hallway, they look at the art and you can really see that it's stimulating an internal conversation. And when somebody sees an artwork that, you know, demonstrates the difference between a want versus a need, uh, you know, it gets the person thinking a little bit. And so my goal is that we've helped to elevate, uh, the importance of financial literacy and wellness through the art contest. And it's a multi-pronged strategy that we use at the treasurer's office. And that's kind of the piece focusing on the high school students. So is the idea that each of these works of art reflect the theme of financial literacy somehow? Yeah, all of them do. Can you give me an example? Absolutely. So um, the Mr. Bill example that I talked about was about a three-minute video short where there's this kid that wants to buy a car. He wants to buy a Mini Cooper, actually. And he doesn't have any money, so he kind of sheds a tear. And then he starts mowing lawns and then uh, raking leaves and making money and then putting the money into it like the savings account, which he – uh, feeds as he finishes his work. 
Uh, and then he hits $10,000 and takes the money out and then goes to the Mini Cooper dealer and purchases it. And whether the kid really needed a Mini Cooper or not, I'm not saying. Uh, but what it showed was his ability to save uh, and invest in something that he thought uh, that he needed. And so that's like one example. We get some piggy banks. Some piggy banks. But, but a lot of times it's really sophisticated and the quality of the art is just uh, extraordinary. But we, we judge the contest based on three factors. Uh, one is artistic execution. You know, is the kid like really an artist? Uh, but two is creativity. And then three is the degree to which the artwork teaches a lesson. And so if somebody is very creative and teaches an important lesson, you know, they could be a, a top winner even if they're not uh, Picasso. We have just a few minutes left. But, uh, uh, Jill, I wanted to ask you, are there any other uh, programs coming up or any other plans that you have? Or are you really excited about growing Pontiac continuing? What, what, what are your, what are your uh, if you could be involved in any project oh, you boy. like? I love Pontiac. I love the city of Pontiac. I love that, you know, they have the ability right now to allow some creative uses to come in. Um, they have a lot of open space. Um, they're going <clears> to <throat> start their master planning process in the next month or so. Um, they're looking at ways of allowing smaller footprint houses to come in. Um, they're looking at ways of combining properties and doing things called planned unit development. So instead of one house per one lot, they're going to combine 10 lots and build 15 houses on them that are a thousand square feet or less. I'm excited about that for a number of reasons. Affordability. I'm excited because a lot of, um, people are moving outside of their big foot houses in the outskirts of town, moving into cities, whether they're young or um, have no kids at home any longer, they want to be close to a city. And I think Pontiac has all of that to offer and more. Well, having you and Andy on the show today has just really opened my eyes to how exciting Oakland County and, and especially Pontiac are for entrepreneurs right now. If people are interested in learning more, can they contact the Oakland County Treasurer's Office? Absolutely. And just so that I can clarify this for the podcast um, uh, description, how do you spell Micah 6? M-I-C-A-H, and then the number six. It's a biblical passage. Yeah, and they're on Facebook, too, and always looking for volunteers and help doing all of their projects throughout the community. Andy Meisner, Jill Robinson, thank you so much for being our guest today, and thanks to your crew, Mariah, Morgan, and Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so for much. lifting up these issues. They're critical. Thanks for listening to Revitalize Our Cities Now. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss or questions about the show, you can email us at dmichael at lipsonnielsen.com. Make sure you join us again for our next episode when we talk with another difference maker helping to revitalize our cities now.